Hello and welcome to the Red Button Marketing Training Podcast. This is Button Banter. We're going to be having amazing conversations with people in the region who are in marketing roles and running businesses. We're going to be talking more about their marketing journey, experiences and thoughts and feelings around what marketing is and how it features in their business. So stay tuned and enjoy the podcast. This is Button Banter. Welcome to today's Button Banter. And it's been a long time coming. Well, not that long, but actually it's amazing. It's been a build up because today I am joined by the one and only Mr. Graham Robb. Hello, Graham. Hello. <laughs> good afternoon. Very good to speak to you. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast at your place, can I just say. I do need to do a shout out to say that we are currently sat in recognition. Yeah, we've put this I new to do podcast that. studio in and we've got a video studio uh, as well. And yeah. Because I think people who are clients of a PR firm now don't just want the ideas. They want the execution and delivery of ideas. Yeah. So we have to have the infrastructure to do that. Absolutely. And I think it's just great to have a bit of banter at your place, Graham. But I think you're absolutely right. And I'm so chuffed that you've been able to spend some time actually enjoying us on this session this afternoon. As you know, this is kind of a bit of a banter of a, a thing. We kind of hop around a few subjects. We are really, and I just have to say this to all my guests, we are here to chat about your marketing journey and your thoughts and experiences as well. So we will hop around that. Okay. Um, but, you know, just for our listeners, I just want to point out that before we recorded, we did hit that subject of 80s pop. So whether we kind of segue back into that at some point, Graham, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. 80s pop is a, a weird thing because my grandchildren, when they're in the car and I put on my Amazon playlist, are amazed that I know the uh, songs and the intros to the songs. I love that. Because in the 80s, uh, I was a, a DJ on the local <gasps> radio stations. Can I... Sorry, sorry, just stop a second. I'm going to have to park the marketing journey thing just for a moment. This is why this is button banter, because you do find out all kinds of stuff. Run that by me again, Graham. Well, <laughs> you see, you see what happened was when I was a young lad in the 1970s, I was a, a radio geek, um, which is like being a video game geek now, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. And um, I built my own little radio studio in my bedroom. It was only pretend it had cassette recorders and record decks and mixing things. And I went to electronic shops and bought the resistors and the transistors and soldered them together. And oh and I put a microphone on. And uh, it was and I and it, you know honestly today it would probably get get me some child therapy. But I, I think uh, then it was me in my bedroom pretending to be a DJ. And now the weather on Teesside is. And oh, I love this. Um, and so I, I left, left school with virtually no qualifications and I applied to be an apprentice at British Steel. Yeah. And I got through the apprentice um, selection, but my mother insisted that I couldn't go through with it because um, all the people being be made redundant. She yeah. said I wouldn't have a safe job, and the, the redundancies at British Steel stopped me taking the apprenticeship up as a result. So I went uh, to college and learned some technical skills on audiovisual electronics and things. Got a BTEC, and while I was at college, the guy in charge of the local commercial radio station came to talk to the students. I'm like 16 years old, you see. Yeah. And at the end of the talk, I put my hand up and said very cheekily, I want to be a DJ. I've built a radio studio in my bedroom, which is, I mean, I can see it now. What Brilliant. this guy must have been thinking. He said, send me a tape. 
So I sent him this tape of me doing this. Um, and I did I did it on hospital radio as well. It wasn't just for me. I did something called hospital radio. Fabulous. And they gave me a job and it was one in the morning till five on Radio Tees. Then I used to go to bed and then have a few hours kip and go to college, then go to bed, have a few hours kip and go to Come the on. radio station. Wow. Three to four nights a week I did this. this and then brilliant. built it up and I got given a, when I was, when I left college at 18, I was given a show uh, in the evening and uh, then I was given a show in drive time and and uh, I built it up from there. And this then I was put into the news area then and uh, then went to work for the BBC for a few years. Oh, and that's but I always used kind to play the records, you see. And, yeah. Uh, I knew the... I knew the um, I knew the intros. I'm loving this because I was thinking you look remarkably comfortable sat here. Here we are with the headphones and all the rest of it. But this is kind of a bit of an early kind of sort of dip into PR and communications. I mean, was this where it much. all kind of like bedded in then, Graham, when you kind of started out with that? Sort of it was all, the greatest thing about those early days is the teaching of self-confidence by accident. Yeah. Because uh, I had to sink or swim mm. and um, I could do the technical things and I could talk about nonsense um but i soon really learned my uh where, where life was when they they did a show on the radio station uh called the pub crawl and i was like 17 coming up 18 and i was hosting this show and um i recorded bits of this but I did a stand-up, so I, I sort of chatted to people in the pub and I yeah. was very nervous. And they introduced me to a local comedian. He's a great guy. You might have heard of him. He's still doing club circuit called Peter Deedy. And he was very influential on me because he, he told me about how to present a little routine on stage. Oh. Some, some, some funny, quirky jokes. Yeah. Some... Blue jokes. Just got the sort of audience in the pub because several hundred people came to these things because it was advertised on the radio. Yeah. And so that, that confidence building is very important. I think this is fascinating, isn't it? Because when you look back at them, we talk about, you know, Button Bander, it's all about stories and journeys. But when you look at what you've just said there, God, the amount of stuff that you could kind of fast forward, if you like, to now that you think you really learned there that shaped you probably and what you're doing, like I your confidence no presenting. I mean, and I, I mean my, my business was built on sending out press releases. Mm. Um, and of course, I was working in the mid to late 80s at the BBC on the local radio station mm. and my, my show was a sort of magazine morning programme. And I used to get lots of press releases from agencies in London sent in the post <gasps> with photographs. But there were very few, very few, I'm... Uh, media relations agencies in the north of England. In fact, I, I can't remember anyone that were not just advertising agencies with media agencies attached. Mm. Most were advertising agencies. And um, I decided in 1988 with a, a partner who helped me out, um, he ran a sort of fried chicken shop in Darlington, actually, and he <laughs> let me use the back room to set Brilliant. this business up. And I got my first clients and I wrote my 
press releases on old BBC green screen computer oh. and dot matrix printer. And I used to yeah. get photographs, take the photographs on an SLR camera and get the film developed at Boots and then send the prints down to the newspaper. I mean, that's Graham, literally how it works. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's just a few years ago, but and we won't talk about, you know, all that. 35 but, years Yeah, ago. when you think back to how that technology is developed, and it's quite fascinating when it you consider... It was really big news when I got a fax it, machine. I was going to say, oh, oh my I God. Did, I, a fax you know, machine. Fax machine. I, do you know, actually... I have a, it's a funny thing about fax machine, but my mum used to work at Marks and Spencer's and you've reminded me of something on the fax machine thing. And this is very interesting how we are. We've kind of found ourselves in this subject and here we are in a business that's very much about business communications. But yes, that day of the fax machine. So my mum worked at Marks and Spencer's and she came home one night. She was absolutely buzzing. She said something amazing happened at the store today. And I said, what's that then, mum? I was in the stock room. She said, and we've got this thing now that you can kind of send a message on paper. I think it's called a facsimile. Fantastic. <laughs> and you know, when we were like, wow, no way. I remember piling up. Uh, you know, express faxes and it yeah. used to dial overnight and you send press releases and the yeah. journalists would be furious because your press releases weren't as important as the news and weather reports that were using the same machine. It's brilliant, uh, the fax but, machines uh, and how you, you'd come in and there'd be just rolls on the floor and you'd gather all your faxes up and, right. uh, and you thought you'd really hit the big time that's with right. technology. Well, I mean, well, I mean <laughs> I've got an embarrassing photograph somewhere on the internet of me with a mobile telephone in 1989 holding it with my funny haircut and this massive phone because we, we got a PR for, uh, contract for a promoting, um, promoting a, a, for a phone shop, the latest device, the cell phone. Love it. Uh, it it's it just brilliant. Fun. It was good fun. I think it's great. We're not going to ask whether or not when you were doing the DJing, whether it was needle on the record it or was? cassettes. Oh, no, was no, it was needle? All, oh, was yeah, it like and cr- carts you know? and cartridges and things? Yes. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. No computers or no, anything. It was no, all, it was... all. You had to cue the records up and get it just right, like like they do uh, scratching yeah. and things. That it was with proper. Vinyl, all proper vinyl. Oh, I think that's you know, just fantastic. I can tell you the, the 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 intro in seconds for various pop songs. I'm uh, driving along in my car, I'll, <laughs> I'll sometimes talk along and tell people what the weather is, and then make sure I don't crash that. the vocal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Silly. It's funny when you think about vinyl. My only funny, and then we'll probably you know move ourselves into kind of where we're at now with communications. But I did have a very funny story about vinyl. For anyone that remembers a song called Tracy Ullman, she did a song called Breakaway. Breakaway. Yeah, I, I remember, go Breakaway, yes. and it was very fast. And I always remember trying to play that on fast speed. And I always say that's a, like if you've got, if anyone out there has a vinyl of Tracy Ullman's Breakaway and a record player, please play it on fast speed because it's absolutely hilarious. And Tracy Ullman, I can't remember what the song was now. It wasn't Breakaway, but there was a song she had, um, which was before then, which was hit number one in the charts. Oh. And Neil Kinnock was on the video. It was poli- it was the first time pop music and politicians mixed, and it was in the mid eighties eighty three or something. Someone will remember. Yeah, and he was on the he was he was videoed canvassing. Oh, uh, fantastic! And it was a really cool thing to do. Now think, po- politicians love to crash the zeitgeist, but that was the first example of a yeah. uh, a politician on a pop video. That is brilliant, and I think you know this is what this is all about. I think it's really good to uncover stories, and that that fascinating. I've learned things about you, Graham, that I really did not know. And I think that is amazing. (laughs) 
because it's it is. There are thousands of people know. in sixties and seventies who used to listen to me because I was a young guy and my audience was a bit older. And they'll know who I was. Yeah. I, I, um, Were you Graham I, I don't Rob? Know. I, uh, Did you have a stage name? No, no, no. I called Graham Rob, and, yeah. and my mother was furious because she wanted me to have a stage name. She was furious. She didn't oh. like the fact I was a DJ on the radio. She wanted me to be a technician for the BBC. That would be oh, fine. That, that's okay. <laughs> yes. Not a DJ on the radio. Appalling. And those those dirty jokes he tells as well. <laughs> but look where it's got you, Graham. I mean, I think we've got to go, hang on, let's take a step back. I mean, I think there's a shout out there. For everyone's got it. Like, they, everyone starts somewhere, don't they? They do what they do. They follow a passion. Do you think that's fair to say that you followed your heart and you did what you wanted? And I know. Is that has. why you're you where you are? You couldn't write the script. You couldn't write the script. I left the radio in 1988. Mm. to stand for Parliament in the 92 election. And that's why I had to set up a business, bread and shoes. Yeah. The key requirements of setting up the business. Yeah. And I lost my parliamentary seat because it was it was Labour seat, yeah. Hartlepool. I fought Peter Mandelson in 92. And um, But I'd enjoyed the PR so much that I didn't want to go back to the radio. I was enjoying being my own boss. Yeah. What was um, it you loved the most? What really kind of being, the fire in being your Being my own boss and, and uh, setting my own agenda and also uh, the peripatetic nature of it, the fact that I could take a, a skill which or a knowledge, a, a skill maybe too strong a word in the early days, mm. but certainly a knowledge of how the media worked uh, and then apply it to businesses and help those businesses to get their message across and to, and sometimes to defend themselves. Yeah. And the fact that I was within a few years of setting it up, um, I was I had a cohort of twenty clients or so. We've got seventy five now, oh, and um, and and I, I learned how how to apply a, a product, which was in this case a know how product, and uh, and to commoditize it in a way that you could build a business out mm. of it. And that was a difficult thing to learn. And I learned it through having great clients. A, a good example being mm. Duncan Bannatyne, yeah, uh, who um, was a client of mine from nineteen ninety two. And working with him taught me a great deal. It was genuine yeah. university yeah, uh, of life, life experience <laughs> working with Duncan Baratine. I think that's a really fascinating point. He's still a client point. today, by the way. Oh, there you are. Well done. We need to get these points in, I'm just saying. Absolutely. Big shout out. Um, I think that's a really key point about, and it's interesting we talk about what is marketing, because firstly, I guess I've got two questions. First one, what do you think, if you could sum up what you think marketing is, what do you think well, it is? M- marketing is more holistic than the, the skill that, we we practice we we're in a, one area of marketing mm. which is um pr pr- and particularly media relations but marketing is is about creating um and obviously being ready to defend brands mm. but having those brands uh, be more about uh, more than just about logos and, mm. and and advertising but being uh, an epitome of the values of the business and the product and what the product can bring or business can bring to its user yeah. group i think that's it it's that bigger picture isn't it but it's just that point you made there about how you learn from your clients i think that is just a gem of a piece of information because we would definitely kind of say that the word relationships features highly in what marketing is I think it's a very intrinsic sort of set of very wonderfully interlinked relationships really because it's got its complexities you know but if you were to look at that a really strong one is that client relationship isn't it and do you, you learn from each other do you think uh, yes I, I think as so. well is that I, part I, of I think it that's that's true and though um, with Duncan I learned very specific thing right away very early days uh, where um, he asked me what the price for my service was 
and I, t- I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was £600 a calendar month. And he said, how did I get that price? And I just thought to be an MP and I'd worked out what an MP would get paid if they divided their time 48 weeks or four weeks off, mm-hmm. uh, divided by five. So I got a day rate of £300. It might have been £500 a month and 250 but whatever it was, I'd got a day rate. Yep. And I said, I think the work you're asking me to do is going to take me two days a month. So that's what I think the price would be. And he said, oh, that's very interesting. He said, if I was a small business, would you charge me less? I said, no, well, just gone through the price mm. is 48 divided weeks divided by five. I got the rate. He said, well, all right, that's, I understand. I understand. That's good. So I pay the same for a Mars bar as you. So I should pay the same day rate <laughs> as a small business. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So fine. He then said, um, you've got a brochure there. No internet, of course, just mm. brochures, printed brochures. It doesn't say anything about the price in the brochure. Lots of glossy pictures, but no price. He said, why don't you reprint your brochure and put your prices in? Mm. then I know that the price is right, don't I? Yeah. yeah. We don't have to have the conversation about the price. And that kind of gets it, just so gets I, rid so of So I did, and even to this day, the prices of Recognition's days are on our yeah. website. Now, there are very few PR firms that have their prices on. Mm. And I can honestly tell you that many, many clients of ours like that, particularly those that have inquired from outside the northeast and have looked at a PR firm and decide we won Pimlico Plumbers because he'd looked at us on the internet um, years later and seen what our prices were. Mm-hmm. And so he then invited us for a conversation knowing what it would cost. But you see, do you think that then forms part of your brand? That's part of what your identity is and your vision and what your yes. values are. And I think that's a key thing, isn't it, really? Yes, it is. You know. I also put a lot of our values and things on a mm. massive poster as you walk into recognition and it says what our objectives are what we're, what our purpose is yeah and the purpose is to help businesses in the northeast grow Mm-hmm. They are our clients, even if that means making a profit out of businesses elsewhere in the country so we can bring more products and services to businesses in the northeast. Yeah. So we want to help them grow. Yeah. And it states about our values are about openness, particularly, Brilliant. and about respect for one another and to telling the truth. Mm. Um, and then it also says that what, what, our, what our objectives are and objectives are to make money. Yeah. And to make a percentage of turnover, 33%. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want because we don't have any assets. We've only got the, the know-how. Yeah. So we, we, we know that we need to make enough money. And then I invite the staff to sign in front of everyone. So everyone works for me has put a sign, uh, signed their name on this poster, which is in reception. Oh, that is lovely. I think this is great. I think it's a really good message to send out. And I think it's having that very, like you say, that openness, transparency. And I think people get that. And then people know exactly where they are with it. Do you know what I mean? For you, and looking back over the time that you've had this business, how would you say the world of PR has changed in, say, the last 20 years? What do you think well, has been the biggest shake-up? First shake of up? all, there, there are very obvious technical changes. Yeah, we're um, back to the, not the vinyl, Graham, yeah, 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 or the facts. But, and those, those <laughs> have, and particularly the technical changes of uh, social media have mm. changed it. The instant way in which you can't, you don't have time to breathe to respond to something that's difficult mm-hmm. and um, the instant nature of it. The other technical changes are 
are brought about by both social media and platforms like LinkedIn, where you can merge different formats of taking your message from video to written word to uh, sharing audio, things like this podcast. So yeah. the, the, the first change is obviously a technical change. And I've got staff that work for me for a long time and they, they, they're their comments quite often to me are about the sheer number of platforms, be they broadcasters, newspapers, podcasts, and so on, that you now have uh, to get a message across. The the concept of choosing the message hasn't necessarily changed. Picking and choosing an argument or or, or a a key, key message to put. But the methodology and speed at which it can be put across has changed dramatically. Yeah, yeah, that's been a big change. Because I was going to say, because it, it's an interesting point, isn't it? And this is something we could, oh my word, just debate forever. But it is a, a balance between things that don't change and things that do. You know, there's got to be, because we're, we're big fans, as you know, Graham. we're big fans of having some degree of structure somewhere because something's got to prop us all up, hasn't it? So we don't all fall over. Uh, something's got to keep us on point well, and I having that, but allowing for that agility. And I think that's really great that you can move and, and be agile yeah. again. You know, I think that's really great. I have two acronyms that govern the structure of a client relationship. Uh, one is OASIS. Oh, and I picked this we're up back to my, the pop again, but we'll move yeah, no, carry on. Like the pop. No, very good, very good, Mike. Very good. No, this I picked this this up from the civil service. My good friend uh, Alex Aitken uh, runs the or used to run the complete communications for the UK government. And I'm not talking about politics. Mm. I'm talking about the civil service. Yeah. Um, and he he introduced this Oasis concept: uh, objective audience strategy implementation scoring. Ah, so I like if that. I was if I was doing the PR for you, uh, Mags, I would say, what's your objective? Yep. Okay, who's the audience? Who mm-hmm. are we talking to on this podcast? What's our strategy? What's our are we going to our strategy to get you across is to use podcasts? Yeah, yeah. Our, in, in, no, that would be implementation. Yeah. But our strategy is we're going to we're going to talk about experience in marketing. Yep. Our, our methodology will be podcasts, and then the scoring. Right. Well, how many podcasts are we going to do, and have, what's our objective of, of the number of people that reaches? But we try and write that down. At the nice. beginning of an assignment. Now, obviously, like that old phrase, the no plan of action survives 24 hours contact with the enemy. It yeah. sometimes does change, but at least you start it. And then the other thing I have is PESO, paid, earned, social, owned. Um, and that's if we're getting a message across, we're looking at platforms. Some platforms will be paid in so much as there's an advertising element. We don't deal with that. But some might might involve paying for some sponsorship or, mm-hmm. or paying for a, a, a dinner, the way you're meeting people, and there's a, there's a PR element to that. Yeah. Uh, paid. Earned, that's the media. You're persuading people to cover your material. You, you, by, by act of persuasion and good mm. quality material, you're earning the coverage because mm-hmm. you've got something to say. Paid, earned, social... That's obviously yeah. the new social media, the social media not platforms, that new now, yeah. but all the different social medias owned. Well, owned you own this podcast, yeah. So it's your your own owned media. I like that, and I think some really key takeaways from that as well. I've got to say, like that ownership. I think ownership and accountability is really, really good. Having that kind of structure, but it's still very much that you're so client sort of centric, really client focused, and I think it comes back to that solid point about relationships, isn't it? And that clarity and communication, but I think ownership as well and, and that openness. I think those key things are just amazing. Some of the difficulties on this 
are about, particularly when you own a business like mine and you're not always, I, I've got a proportion that I work in and work on the business. Mm. But um, in the working on the business, it's, it's cajoling my team and their clients to adopt these these approaches yeah. in a way that meaningfully has results and are measurable, going back to the S, the scoring, mm. you know, ACES. So we, I mean, we do measure quite yeah. a lot. And the kind of things we measure aren't like, the, it's not huge and scientific on the number of the reach of each post. Though mm. Some clients want that. That's not something we spend a lot of time doing. But I do measure, did an output happen? When did it happen? When did we say it happened? Did the client engage? Mm. Have, have you met the client? Does the client want... So we try and measure those kind of things things as well at our end. Which I think is great. And I think, you know, we'll, you know, we're kind of interesting how we can summarise. And actually, I've already got some ideas for podcast too with you, Graham. I think I'm going to have to come back. But on the subject of measurement, I'm a bit of a fan because I don't know about you, but you mentioned the word marketing and sometimes people go, oh, you know, how do you track that? Do, do you think it can be that kind of, how on earth do you define it and then and then sort of track it? But I want to share with you something that we've kind of decided we've invented. You know how you get ROI and ROAS and you get these different ways. So we've decided we're going to have something called Romty. And this is... Yes, I know. Romty Tomty. <laughs> Romty Tomty. I'm just wondering whether I was going to go completely somewhere else with that, but I thought I'd be keeping this on an absolute uh, before the watershed level. Uh, <laughs> stands for Return on Marketing Time Invested. Because we, do you know what we're fans of? Are the amazing range of people. So like, you know, yourselves and, and organisations and businesses have huge talents that deliver within the realms of what marketing is. So surely we need to track the benefit of our time and where we invest that. So that's, I'm just putting it out there because you mentioned the word measurements. I thought I'd just throw that out there and say that it's definitely on our radar to kind of track the effectiveness of people's time and talent. And that's not necessarily an analytic. (laughs) No, Because it's someone's passion and thought. And I think that's that's huge, you know. And in the end, an organisation will feed the... um, the decisions on whether or not it's successful based on their mm. their big objectives, which yeah. will be sales or well, whatever the big objective it, exactly. it happens to be in the circumstances. But there's a little gem in there, isn't there, Graham? Yeah. The little marketing process that will join it all together, yeah. we, we hope, you know. That's right. um, but that's what we like to kind of do that. And I think this is, and I've loved this session with you, Graham, because, you know, I was really looking forward to having this conversation and we probably could have a weekly podcast just like us. There you are. Um, and we'll bring some final records in <laughs> and then we'll finally find out maybe what Duncan Valentine's favourite 80s record would be. But I'll leave that with you to decide. <laughs> I think it would probably be the 70s record, so Abba, money, money, money. Money, money. <laughs> We're not going to start singing that one anytime soon. <laughs> um, but this is what we want to do is kind of just have this sort of banter session where we throw around different parts or thoughts or whatever we think, because marketing is pretty of a, it's a big process, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a beast of a thing um, in a great way. Um, and we're delighted to work in it. So we love to have these opportunities to sort of have conversations with others operating in this environment. So, Graham, I would like to say, thank you so much for your time I hope you've enjoyed having a bit of banter absolutely (laughs) we can do it again (laughs) anyway take care everyone and we'll see you soon or look forward to seeing you on the next episode thanks a lot take care bye bye